everyone. Thank you so much for joining me on the Hope for Today broadcast. I'm your host, Doran Wengerd, founder of Wengerd Ministries, where we are delivering hope to every heart. Now, if you've been impacted by these messages and you'd like to partner with us, please text the word GIVE to 844-333-7227. Or you can go to wengerdministries.org and click GIVE. And then when you're there, you can see the projects we're working on. If the Lord calls you to, to partner with us, and to sow financial seed, please do so. There is a, a hundredfold return that we pray for, for every partner that is sowing seed. And the greater the projects get, the more partners we need. And the Lord has given us a word that we have, uh, that, that there's a, an increasing number of partners coming to us to accomplish the things that he's called us to do. So I want to thank you in advance. And for those of you that are already partnering with us, thank you as well. And we pray a blessing upon you. Now, my last post was titled, How Money Works. And that really is a message that can transform how God can use His tools in your life. So if you missed it, go and get it, please. Today, I want to talk about the greatest treasure that God ever gave to mankind. It is something that He foretold about years and years in advance through His prophets. I was reading in Isaiah the other day, and I was greatly encouraged. It seems like many times I've found myself reading mostly out of the New Testament, but there are so many treasures in the Old Testament as well. So I'd like to encourage you, take the time, go find them, go read in the Word. We can totally miss these treasures if we don't take the time to read the Bible for ourselves. So it's good and exciting to read other books about the Bible or hear preaching and teaching about it which is what you're doing here, but that cannot be the only way that our hearts are filled. Please take the time and, and read the word for yourself. I heard this uh, in the message on Sunday. This is, it's how you, you, you develop the hunger for the word is by going and, and reading actually, by, by taking it in and that makes you more hungry for him. So I'd like to encourage you to continue to do that. Now I've talked about the number one thing being to seek the face of the Lord. And King David spoke about this in Psalm 27 in the Old Testament. And how easy would it be to read only our favorite verses about righteousness and other works of Jesus, but forget the thousands of years before he was born? See, this is the story. This is God's story of all through history, how he has been pursuing mankind. See, Isaiah prophesied about the coming Messiah as if he had already seen it happen. The amazing thing about him and the other prophets in the Old Testament is that they truly experienced a connection and relationship with God without the fullness of the Holy Spirit like we have. See, there was something that changed when Jesus went to the cross and when he redeemed us. Do you realize that we have a connection with God that they longed for and they actually never received? I'd like to read some of the verses about the great men and women of God who lived long before the time of Jesus. And I want to read in Hebrews 11, verses 32 through 40. And I could read the whole chapter, but um, I'm just going to start in verse 32. And I just want, to, want you to hear this. And what more shall I say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah, also of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, 
worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead raised to life again. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. Still others had trial of mockings and scourgings, yes, and of chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains, in dens and caves of the earth. And all these, having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise, God having provided something better for us, that they should not be made perfect apart from us. These are some key verses here at the end, and I, I want to focus on this. I want you to hear it. Listen to how this is described. See, there's something going on. When, when we hear that last verse, it says, um, that God having provided something better for us. See, I think we, we think of a, a separation in time of people from long ago to where we are today. But there's no separation. God is the connection point for all of us. Now, when we think of Hebrews 11, we automatically think of this as the faith chapter. And I, I think that's a good name for it. I really do. But I want to focus on one phrase that we read there in verse 39. It says, they obtained a good testimony through faith. But then the verse says that they did not receive the promise. So what was the promise that they did not receive? I'm sure it can mean more than one thing. But I think that this is the main thing. I'm going to mention some more verses here, and you'll see right away what the promise was that they did not receive. In Luke 24, 49, it says, Behold, I send the promise of my Father. And this is Jesus talking. He says, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. See, that's Jesus saying the promise. Now, in Acts 1, 4 and 5, it says, And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. Now, actually, I want to go and I want to read Acts. Uh, I want to, when I read that in Acts, I immediately think, well, I should go back and see what, what was going on. So it's kind of interesting. It's John 20, 22. And I don't know if any anyone uh, has really paid attention to this, but we're, if you look at when this video is recorded and posted and everything, it's right around the time of the end of May, beginning of June. And so this year, June 5th, is Pentecost. So I, I look at that and I think, huh, I wonder how many people actually know that this is the time of Pentecost. How many people actually celebrate it in the same way that we celebrate the other acts of, of Jesus and of the Holy Spirit? So listen to this. It says, then the same same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst, and he said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Then Jesus said to them, Peace to you, as the Father has sent me, I also send you. Now here's verse 22. 
And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. Hmm. Okay, receive the Holy Spirit. So right there, he breathed on them. What does it say in Acts 1.8? But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. See, this is where he's saying, Terry, wait in Jerusalem until the promise. Huh. So what's happening? When we think of this as two separate events, it makes sense. See, Jesus breathed on them. This is when the disciples became born again. Jesus had not um, died and been raised again, and so there was no way that any person could be born again because the, the sacrifice and redemption and resurrection from the dead had not yet been accomplished. So when Jesus became raised from the dead, he bought back our ability to live, to be raised with him. So his disciples at that point, when he breathed on them, they became born again. The old man was dead, uh, and the new uh, came alive inside of them. So, if we think of Acts uh, 2 then, actually I want to read that. If we look at verses 14 to 18, we could read the whole thing. Actually, I'm just going to start at the beginning. Uh, and read a few verses. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And then verse 14, there was some people in the city saying what's going on they started mocking them even because they were um, they were speaking in other tongues but Peter standing up with the eleven this is verse 14 raised his voice and said to them men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem let this be known to you and heed my words for these are not drunk as you suppose which means they were probably acting somewhat drunk since it is only the third hour of the day and this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel, and it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your young men shall see visions, your old men shall dream dreams, and on my men servants and on my maid servants I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they shall prophesy. And we can keep going here, uh, but I just want you to hear this. This pouring out of the Holy Spirit was a specific event that is the promise, the pouring out of the Spirit of God upon all flesh. See, Jesus breathing on his disciples was the, the, the preparation of the temple. See, the Holy Spirit can only live in a perfect environment, a perfect temple. If we skip down actually to verses 38 and 39, Jesus says, that, or uh, Peter said to them, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. So they talked about the promise continually. And he's referencing you know, the prophet Joel. Joel was not the only one that prophesied uh, the, the promise coming upon all flesh. Even Jesus prophesied the promise. He said, when I go to my Father, I will send the promise. Uh, 
So do you see here that God had promised to pour out his spirit upon all people long, long ago. The men and women of God longed to have the presence of God dwelling in them, but the time had not yet been fulfilled for that to be a reality. See, God sees everything from the beginning of time all the way through to the end of time. He's not troubled by the things that we may see around us because he's already prepared the answer and the promise to take care of those troubling things. The promise of the Holy Spirit was the greatest mystery that anyone could imagine. They had only ever seen the physical representation of God dwelling in the tabernacle and in the temple. The children of Israel saw it in the wilderness, the, the pillar of fire and the, and the pillar of cloud. They had to make the effort of traveling then to whatever city the ark was in, going into a specific building to meet with God. They had to prepare their heart. They had to prepare sacrifice. They had to do a lot of things in order to be able to meet with God. But they had been told by the prophets for hundreds or, or even thousands of years that God would eventually come to them and live in them in the form of his spirit, that he would someday be as close to them as their very thoughts. Can you feel the mystery that they must have felt? What's normal to us in how we pray and, and interact with God continually on a daily basis, or we should, so if you're not, please get to know God in this way. But see, it wasn't possible before the Holy Spirit was given. Paul calls this the fullness of time in Galatians 4, verses 4 and 5. He says, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. See, the baptism of the Holy Spirit or the filling of the Holy Spirit is not just an afterthought or something kind of cool to experience or something to, to block and stay away from. It, everything that Jesus did was to purchase our righteousness as the perfect sacrifice for sins, and he did this for the sole purpose of creating perfect temples for his spirit to live in. Paul describes this in 1 Corinthians 16, or, uh, 6, verses 19 and 20. It says, Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own, for you were bought at a price? Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. See, Paul is reminding the believers in Corinth that they no longer live separately from God as the people in the Old Testament did. I think we need reminded as well about the mystery of God living in each one of us by his spirit so we can appreciate what we have now on this side of the cross. Do you realize how amazing this is? There's also a theme here that I don't want to miss because we're discussing, you know, the baptism of the Holy Spirit or filling of the Holy Spirit. What I'm talking about is the fact that God means what he says. And he's, he's tender-hearted toward anyone who believes. See, God's desire is to experience us. And he cannot do that until he has prepared the temple by, becoming, by us becoming born again and then by filling us with his presence. See, just preparing the temple does not give him the ability to truly experience us and for us to experience him. This is why the, the promise or the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and we could call it many different things, but it is a filling of the Spirit of God. It is the Holy Spirit 
coming upon us in power. It's the, the one thing that the organized church has kind of has steered away from because they, they can't control it. They're not exactly sure what to do with it. This is the promise. See, God is good. He's good. And we have to remember that. Do you want to experience more of him? Do you want to eat the good of the land, as it says in Isaiah 119? You can rest assured that God is your father, and he wants these things for you more than you can even desire them for yourself. He will instruct you by his spirit in you. Allow yourself to be full of wonder and amazement that we now have the very spirit of God himself inside of us at all times. Allow your heart to connect with him on a moment-by-moment -moment basis all throughout the day. Remember the men and women of faith who long to have the connection with God that we now have? Be full of gratitude and praise in your heart at all times because of the wonderful mystery of the gift that we now have. Don't look only on the outside to receive just the material things from him. Although those will come too, but focus on his presence on the inside and praise him continually for making the fulfillment of that promise a reality. The presence of the Spirit of God inside of you is how you experience the good of the land. See, his goodness is the power that draws all other good things to you. Focus only on him. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you as it says in Matthew 6, 33. Remember, God wants to experience you and he wants you to experience him. Invite him. Invite the Holy Spirit to fill you completely. Present yourself to him. Once you've been born again, present yourself to him and say, this temple is holy because of Jesus. This temple is perfect. This temple has the righteousness of God in Christ, making me a perfect temple. Holy Spirit, possess me. Holy Spirit, fill me. Holy Spirit, show me all of yourself. Fill me with your power. Invite him in. Trust him. He is good. He is amazing, and he wants to give you revelation. See, when this happens, when he fills you with power, you are able to discern the word of God in a, in a much greater, much deeper, much more abiding way finding revelation because the Holy Spirit then becomes your teacher. This is an invitation to receive the promise. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. God bless you.